Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host, joined by John and Pete. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can get this podcast, which you probably already know. You can get it on Google Play, you can get it on Apple, you can get it on Spotify or Anchor. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Oh, yeah. So this guy walks into a bar, right, and goes, shit, that hurt. That's the worst dad joke ever. Love Sport Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. My co-hosts, John and Peter, are with us. How are you doing, boys? Morning, everyone. Thank you. Morning, (laughs) afternoon, evening, and everything else in between. Now, guys, I have to let you know, Matrix is coming out, right? The new Matrix movie. It's got me super excited. And I believe I may have an oracle in my own family, okay? Okay, so it's a new section. I haven't feathered it past you properly. But we've got Sophie here with us. How are you doing, Sophie? Pretty good. She's no. doing pretty good. So, Sophie, you're gonna, we're going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? I just want a simple answer. She is going to give us the predictions on finals, guys. She's got it down pat, okay? So, awesome. we'll record this, record this for posterity. They can't be any worse than my tips. But they cannot be any worse than mine. I actually went back through and listened to some of ours. And, my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay, here we go. Sophie. The AFL Grand Final is in a week's time. Western Bulldogs are taking on the Melbourne Demons. Who is going to win? Um, obviously the Melbourne Demons because, I mean, demons are evil and so they can, yeah, they're evil. Right. I think that's – I don't know if you boys heard that, but she's gone the demons because mm-hmm. they're evil and she believes they will defeat the Bulldogs because they're evil. So I, I think that's – Oh, there you go. Bulldogs are really weak. Okay, so that, hey, that's as good as tipping as, I, as I've heard off uh, uh, Brian Taylor from Channel 7, so that's all good. Now, we're going to turn the Oracle to a couple of NRL, so the Rugby League. Okay, Sea Eagles taking on the Roosters. Sea Eagles versus Roosters. Who wins this one? Eagles. Why would the Eagles win? Eagles eat smaller birds. There you go. That's a great answer. So, Sea Eagles to beat the Roosters because Eagles eat smaller yeah, so birds. Roosters. Okay. I mean, I don't... Eagles Who would name their team Roosters? I think that's a really fair call. Panthers are taking on the Eels. Who wins that game? Have you met me? Obviously, Panthers. Oh, my gosh. Okay, guys, are we going to record that? So, we've got Sea Eagles to beat the Roosters because Eagles eat smaller birds. We've got Panthers to beat the Eels because she loves Panthers. Also because just my favourite animal is a jaguar and I'd like to appear. Okay, favourite animal is a jaguar. Okay, we'll go on with that logic. And she has tipped the demons to beat the bulldogs because demons are evil. I think pretty much we've got um, – we, we can't go wrong with those. We don't gamble, guys, so I think we should probably gamble on those. One well, other question. Three for three favourites, by the way. So Whoa, I'm just saying, I'm just, well. I'm just saying, you've done pretty well with your pick so far. I think she has. Now, I've got we we usually do a question that's a little bit tricky for you, Sophie. So here's one: Puma shoes or Adidas shoes? Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, Puma. I've got the only shoes that I've ever had are Puma shoes. And they're pretty good. They make me run really fast because it's not hard on my feet. And I've got some Adidas T-shirts and they're very uncomfortable and just get really tight. Okay. when they're my size, they're really small. Right. So Puma Shoes it is. Sophie, the Oracle, thank you for coming on our podcast. We'll get you on again in a couple of weeks. 
Bye, Oracle. <laughs> well done, Sophie. <laughs> okay, so the Oracle's spoken, and uh, Puma shoes are better than Adidas shoes, so uh, maybe we'll get a sponsorship there. Boys, good way to start the uh, podcast there. Um, okay, I'm going to keep, kick, or cuddle for you guys. Okay? You can both answer this one. You can, t- you can do whatever you want. You can take it in turns. Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10. In fact, this one's for you, Pete. Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10. Oh, look, uh, with the latest TV rights deal, uh, I think it would be a, a remiss of me not to be favourable towards Channel 10 and uh, everything that Paramount Plus stands for. So, you know, I will definitely be keeping Channel uh, Channel 10. Um, based on uh, some interesting uh, well, shows that I, I might not agree with, um, and, and generically have had quite obscure uh, knockoffs. Uh, Channel Nine, I will say farewell to, and I will keep. Uh, I will kick you out of here. Um, and then you know, Channel Seven's currently like you know, uh, it, it's got some good things happening and some interesting things going on. So you know what? Let's bring it in close for a bit of a cuddle. Oh, I love it. One for you, John, just to get us really into it. So I'm going to actually, actually get away from the TV for you. You're at the footy. You can get a gourmet hot dog. So you can get a gourmet hot dog. We've done this kind mm. of one before. Mm-hmm. You yep. can you can get mm, fish and chips. This is all footy food. Or you can get a meat pie and a Coke. So keep, kick, huddle, meat pie and Coke. You can get a gourmet hot dog. Or what was the other one I said there? Uh, fish and chips. From one of those actual uh, highly overpriced, really poorly run stadium food outlets. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, well, that's easy. Well, I'm going to um, I'm going to kick the fish and chips because mm-hmm. they, they don't know how to do it. And look, the thing is, you know, I've been to the Mekong River and I don't like my fish fillets coming out of that place. Um, <laughs> so that's one. Um, I'll... Keep. I always have to ask for clarification. I'll keep the gourmet hot dog because I think that so it's almost hard for them to go wrong with that, especially as long as they don't add the condiments. So if you can, they have to have a mustard section and a sauce section, you know. Yep. I'll keep that. I'm going to cuddle the pie because look, your dad said no exactly what you're getting. That's the perfect place for it. I love pies at the footy. Um, I don't care what code it is, they always go good. You know, the only real rival it's got is when you go to a local club sport in the mornings, um, whether it's um, football or cricket or rugby or AFL or whatever, is the bacon and egg roll that gets made by the by the uh, volunteers in the canteen. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's I me for sure. I couldn't go wrong with those. Guys, did you enjoy the – I've got a few more for you later on. Did you enjoy the weekend of sport just gone? Like, how do you feel after that weekend of sport? It was de- absolutely eventful, that's for sure. Um, you know, in terms of uh, Premier League-wise, we, we finally got to see Arsenal score a goal, so that was eventful. In terms of F1, we got to see a, a, an interesting crash, but then an Aussie do incredibly well, uh, especially the fact that F1 and F2 were both won by Aussies over the weekend. Yes. Um, so, you, you know, great national pride there. And then, obviously, Dylan Alcott winning... Um, Winning basically everything humanly possible that he could. Um, the golden so slam. The, the golden, golden slam. Even better. So, you know, weekend of sport, I'm pretty chuffed. I, I feel like it was um, 
pretty bang dang good. John, yourself, mate? Well, I had a terrible weekend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I had some highs and lows, but I'm going to go into a little bit of an opine, a bit of a missive a bit later on in the show. Okay. Um, I have some things that I need to get off my chest. I need to be honest and open with people and the listeners out there about um, where things are at for me. Um, and look, the compass is definitely pointed south in, with football. So, yeah. um, you know, there's some things I need to deal with there. So, But I did have the wonderful privilege to be at the ground at Gold Coast Stadium when Quade Cooper kicked the winning goal after the siren um, for the Wallabies against South Africa. And I've got to tell you, um, it's one of the best things that I have seen in sport live. Witness that. that was the same ground where I watched Quade Cooper basically fall off the face of the earth as a test rugby union player against Argentina about five, four or five years ago um, where it was a turnstile and Australia got pumped by Argentina. I don't know if anyone remembers that game. Yeah. yeah. And they just kept walking through Quaid and he, he, everything he touched went wrong to see him get back. And he controlled the game real nice. They played good at 5-8. And, yeah, it was awesome. And what, Good video you that. shared as well. Good video you shared. And, and I know that, didn't I? You did, mate. Uh, the good thing about Quade Cooper, I just I don't know anyone who's fair about sport who could begrudge that guy what he's gone through the last few years, and he's done it. I reckon he's done it with a fair bit of grace compared to so many other sporting people around the world. I just yeah, I've seen know. him in the press winds and moaning. He hasn't, he hasn't, and he hasn't gone off the rails. He's gone and tried to make himself a better person. I'll tell you what, he came back fit. Oh, I'd love to oh. borrow Quade's body for a weekend. Holy smokes, I, he's a vegan, isn't he? I have not. I think he might. I could be wrong. He could. I could be wrong. I probably am. I normally am. Um, but, guys, the English Premier League on the weekend, um, I don't think John and I got a tip right. Um, Crystal Palace did pretty much what, Pete, you said that their coach couldn't get them to do, but you thought they could. They came out. They absolutely bossed Tottenham even before the card. I thought Crystal Palace had – they were just playing great football. Yeah, they, they definitely did. And uh, they, you know, they surprised me. Watching the first half of that game, it was definitely a physical battle. And you could see that Crystal Palace were getting the head of the uh, the Tottenham players. But uh, once the second half came about, Crystal Palace just stepped it up an extra gear. And they basically went from, you know, a 7 out of 10 type of a team to suddenly an 11. Uh, Will yeah. Zaha was on next level uh, as yeah. he kind of expect him to at times and this was a sensational performance from Palace at um, and they had so so much to cheer about and then we had the game uh, Arsenal and Norwich and and let's be honest about it I thought Arsenal played pretty well but god the, the, the goal almost did come off the bum it was that kind of they just needed to get a goal any way they could it came late as the game went on and on you thought oh they're going to go without a. They might even go without a point here. Norwich will steal it. So good for Arsenal, good for their fans, but not great for us to be able to. Uh, I always love when Arsenal TV goes into meltdown. It's one of the great comedy shows ever. <laughs> that it is. Um, Arsenal fans are definitely happy the fact that they got the result. They're still disappointed. You can never please an Arsenal fan, that's for sure. Um, but you know they were content with the fact that they got three points and walked away with at least a goal, thanks to uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. So, you know, now Arsenal get to look forward to their next game and try and get themselves organised. But, you know, things aren't super easy for Arsenal. You know, they, their next 
play against Burnley at Turf Moor. Um, Burnley yep. aren't going to be, you know, anything too of an easy beat. Uh, then you get yourself a Arsenal Spurs derby. So yeah, things are, are heating up very, very quickly with this Arsenal crew. Pete, can you say Aubameyang's full name for me again? Yeah, go and do it. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Because I think no, you said that. They did do it properly, man. Because <laughs> uh, you did yeah. one, you did one last week as well. You did a full Aubameyang, and it was just a magnificent thing to listen to. I, to hear it comes because you did you threatened him with the, you threatened that he may score. I did. Um, look, this is this is it. Um, I I try and take the the book of Lucy Zelich and. Um, and try and make sure that I'm pronouncing names as best as I possibly can. So Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah, I love uh, that. Well, that's right. Yeah, Andy Pascalidis was the first real trailblazer in that field that I remember. Absolutely, uh, Andy oh. and Les. Yeah, they're, and, they're, they're your legends. And can I also say that um, we put up a post earlier in the week about the great, mu- or about a week ago, about the great mustaches in world sport, and mm. uh, Pascalidis would have to be up there. That's a a fair tash. Uh, Mm. Now, I know you're going to talk about this later, so I'll gloss over it. Man United, Newcastle. In the end, the scoreline was very flattering to United, but my God, they're scary when they've got um, one of the greatest players who's ever played scoring a brace, and he's almost the cream on the cake for them at the moment. John, I'll let you uh, mention this if you like, mate. I just feel really sad, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you see, um, you know, they bring in Ronaldo and teaming with Pogba and they got guys like Van der Beek hanging around and, you know, Bruno Fernandes, who I think might be the best player in the EPL right now. Rashford, Juan Mata, Mason Greenwood, Martial. Edison Cavani, for God's sake, is the least valuable player they've got. And I remember when we were going to be bought out by the Saudis, how he was on our hit list for £6 million. You know what? Right now, actually, no, he's not. Tom Heaton's their cheapest player, £1 million. Yeah. Um, I'm not out of love with my team or my club, but I'm out of love with the idea that Ronaldo just walks back to United and picks up again on the very day that we've got them and scores and everyone's saying oh, what an amazing thing. It's just so amazing. It's like you know, it's not amazing when you're following a – can you beep words out? A shitbag club like the one I go for Yeah. that refuses to do anything year in, year out, and you just know. You can see the writing on the wall right now for all of our fans. Their season's going to be awful. I can't celebrate stuff like Ronaldo coming back because you know what? It makes me hate the sport even more. Chelsea were clinical. They didn't play great football, but they were clinical against my villa. Um, a mistake really solidified and defenders are going to make mistakes and they leave the ball short occasionally. But Tyrone Mings for Villa, he is our scapegoat for supporters. And you know, every club's got a player that supporters just bag no matter what. Tyrone Mings has played fabulous for England in the last year or so, right? And he's played pretty well for Villa, but he is the most slated player and Chelsea just did what they had to do. Nice, easy, regulation, 3-0 win. Yeah, pretty much. But this was also Romelu Lukaku's first ever goals at Stamford Bridge. Like, yeah. he, he had originally made his debut, what was it, 10 years ago. Yes. And, and he had never 
scored at Stamford Bridge, whether he was wearing a Chelsea shirt, an Everton shirt, a United shirt, or wherever else he had been, he had never scored here. So finally, he's, he's got that off his back. But he is arguably the most complete striker in the Premier League at the moment. He, he has just power. He's got strength. He's got great first touch control. He's got the ability to beat players in 1v1 situations. He is just complete. And, and, and I think, though, that mirrors back to what John said just before, right? So Lukaku just comes back to Chelsea and just dominates Villa. I don't know if that's saying something about the Premier League in terms of the big clubs can just buy whoever they want and the smaller clubs and, you know, the medium to smaller clubs, we'd we, we die for a player like that. And he comes back in like nothing's ever happened and just thrashes us. It's... I don't know if it's good or bad, to be honest. And I went through similar to you, John, in terms of, oh, yeah, Lukaku. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's back. Um, Leeds, red card, and Liverpool, your team, Pete, they bossed them. And the big teams are already separating themselves from everyone else already. Yep, that they are. Uh, Liverpool have already found themselves off to a great little spark. Uh, Mo Salah obviously hitting the headlines for the fact that he's uh, scored 100. his 100th Premier yep. League goal. So he's he's now in the history books for that. I think it was 100 goals in 162 games uh, for Salah. So a great little return. I think he's the fifth fastest yep. on that list. So great record for him. Even better was actually, I think, the, the lineup combination between Thiago Alcatrante and Fabinho. Um, that defensive Midfield partnership, sensational to watch. And Harvey, uh, Harvey Elliott, for the 60-odd minutes that you know he was playing, was brilliant. Absolutely sensational in that middle of the park. Um, and then obviously the horrific injury, which saw him uh, stretched off, taken to hospital. And, um, and, and actually a, a later beautiful story that he passed on his jersey that he had actually worn into hospital. He passed on to the kid in the bed next to him who yeah. had actually um, gone in with a broken arm. So, you know, cute little story from Harvey Elliott. Um, he's now on the road to recovery after having a severe dislocation of his ankle. Exactly right, mate. And uh, look, to finish it off this morning, Everton were down um, after 50-odd minutes and ended up, I won't say comfortable, but the goals came in a glut of, I think, six minutes, and they beat Burnley 3-1. Could um, I comment on this one? Yeah, of course. Uh, Jesse Lingard, Nemanja Matic, Aaron Van Bissaka, Luke Shaw, Phil Jones, Harry Maguire, Raphael Varane. Yeah. Can we just have <laughs> Danny Vanderbeek, please? Can we have anyone? Can we have a crumb off that table? Anyway, and, and you know, you talk about the players that um, the fans always get on. Was yep. it just me or didn't they take a dump on Paul Pogba for years there at Man U? Oh, 100%. Right, so, yeah. you know, I'll have him, thanks. Yeah, I'll take him too. Can We we can borrow him for a few weeks each, mate. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. long-suffering Man United fans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, there's always a surprise packet uh, at the start of the season and it's got to be Brighton, three out of four, nine points. Two wins on the trot. They're looking okay. Sneaking a little uh, 1-0 win over Brentford as well. Uh, Leandro Tosan uh, being able to score the goal there. But it, it speaks a lot of character when the goalkeeper, Roberto uh, 
Sanchez for uh, Brighton is the one who's the man of the match. It, it really does uh, show off what he was able to do. And, you know, credit to Brentford. They've really, you know, come into this Premier League season not wanting to kind of deviate from their identity. That they yep. They know who they are and what they want to achieve. And they have this beautiful community stadium, which it only holds like 16,500 people there. So when when that team and when that crowd wants to get loud, it booms. And the thing yeah. is, because you're in close proximity, you you do like feel like you're within reaching distance of the pitch. It is a, a beautiful relationship between... Uh, the fans in the stand and um, the players on the pitch. But well done, Brighton. They they are definitely the surprise package. Now, I don't know if you heard the noise in the background there. I think John's trying to reset the Premier League season. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I'm actually looking at to... I'm actually looking at the Man U uh, website, and I'm, I'm looking to, I'm looking to get I'm looking to get pumped for the rumours about who's coming. <laughs> so I think they've gone into the cryovac chamber and have um, pulled out Maradona and Pele. They'll need that. They'll need them. Um, uh, Cruyff and Naiskins. Um, uh, Bobby Moore. Um, it's just George, you know, Georgie Best. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and they'd be some of the lower. Well, they'd have to. George will need his fourth liver. Would be awesome. But yeah, just tough times there. I, 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 my heart goes out to those guys. Whether they have been like now what, five years since they won the Premier League title? I know it's longer than that, but... Yeah. They've only got 20 of those. Um, yeah, you know. yeah, my heart bleeds, my heart bleeds. Well, um, do you terrible. want to know who United are actually linked with at the moment? Oh, oh God, on, tell, tell us. Come on. Oh, no, no, do it in an action. Don't say, Cal, don't say Alan St. Maximum, or oh, that's me, I'm out. With an accent, Pete. Uh, look, Manchester United's uh, currently looking at Leon Goretzka uh, from uh, Bayern Munich as Good. a central midfielder to be uh, be able to come in. He's obviously been able to boss the, uh, the Bundesliga for a number of years, so yep. he is currently um, top of that list. But he's also um, at United's um, uh, potentially going to be losing a under-21s player, um, Axel Tanzambe, uh, to Aston Villa, who's previously been on loan there. So potentially we could see him yeah, that, over there. Tough that swap. One looks, That's a tough swap. That one. That one looks pretty. Um, that one looks pretty solid, and we definitely need it. Um, we've also been looking at um, people from the Bundesliga, but um, unfortunately, it's from clubs like St. Pauli, uh, and it's actually the cleaner. So, yeah, the uh, fans will hit the terraces protesting when Axel leaves, or they bring Goretzka in for him. Yeah, that'll be. You know, is that all you're doing? You just, yeah. you know, we're in this permanent state of, um, you know, intransigence at Man U. Nothing's happening. The Glazers aren't paying enough, you know. Um, no, it's 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 tough times. Well, the thing so, for me, the thing <laughs> for me, and I don't know if you can answer this one, Pete, is that these big clubs, um, they do have academies like the smaller clubs do. Those players get shipped off for five or six years. They come back. Is that good for football? Like, is it good for Man U to have all these youngsters who think they're going to get a game and are off at other clubs for years? Well, it's an interesting perspective because think about it. Chelsea have uh, previously had about 80 or 90 players who have been out on loan 
So the generic thing is come the end of the season, all of these loan players come back and then on the training pitch, you quite literally have loan group one, loan group two, loan group three, loan group four, and you basically have a production line. That's how it's worked at, for instance, at Chelsea the last few years. And they're, they're kind of a, a special case because most teams or most clubs will have anywhere between, you know, five to 10 players who they have on a regular rotation on loan or heading yep. out to get experience elsewhere. Chelsea's obviously above and beyond with the, with their styles, but it, it's an interesting prospect. It's obviously, you know, you get into a really good environment. Let's say a youngster coming through at United, you get the opportunity to go play their junior football at, you know, an elite level, let's say a, 18, 19-year-old goes down to League Two, gets a match minute, and then you get to kind of see whether or not they they live up to the hype. And it's quite an interesting, you know, it's an easy exit strategy with players. Mm. So, I, look at, I do look at clubs like Villa and I look at clubs like Leeds um, and Everton, which have got really great uh, facilities for their their um, academy West teams. Academy is one of the and best. And West Ham as well. Southampton's yeah. is sensational. So all these clubs are middle tier, if we're honest, middle and lower tier. But their academies are outstanding, and their training grounds, um, like I know Village training ground is about eight to ten thousand capacity. You know, um, but uh, and uh, which is the better model? If you're going, you're a coach, Pete. If you're going to suggest to someone, you can go to Southampton as a 17-year-old or you can go to Manchester United, but you're not going to get a game. What would you suggest as a coach? You need to play. So you need to go, you know, as a 17-year-old, you need to play. You need to be on the park. So uh, I personally am much more of a favourable towards, you know, build up a good youth development program. And if people are in it for the long term, then they will stay in it for the long term. But if people are short-sighted and have, you know, that narrow focus and they decide to look elsewhere, then my personal perspective is you don't chase them because if they've already made the decision in their head that they want to look for opportunities elsewhere, then you let them go. Um, because if they didn't want to go, they wouldn't have thought that in the, in the long run. So ah. for me, the model is build an academy and get a really good youth system up and running. Because, you know, from a financial sense, you can sell those players on and have a really good profit back and then invest in your academy better in the long run. It's also oh. something that Mike Ashley's let slip it out by. So we used to be a football production factory. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just not happening. And, and, you know, English football is the poorer for it. I will say this, and um, I just want to get this off my chest too, that, you know, when I look at the, the figures there of what the Man United side is worth, compared to ours, I just got to stick my hand up and big th- shout out and thank you to the Premier League who's allowed our club to be the only one to not be owned by either a rich um, Middle Eastern um, oil producing royal family or a Russian oligarch or or anyone like that who's obviously the absolute pinnacle of all that's good in this world, uh, paramours if you like, and, th- and thank you that we got to keep a clothing um a Cockney clothing entrepreneur in the meantime. Um, it's so true. Yeah. But, like, I mean, good on us that when the actual Saudis came knocking for two years, the Premier League, that I can never remember anyone being turned down from buying football clubs in Europe apart from that. It's pretty scary, isn't it? Uh, 
guys, that's end of part one. Part two, we'll uh, come back and we'll talk a little bit of AFL. We'll do a quick summary there and a little bit of NRL as well. What you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team. Um, guys, welcome back for part two. We're going to have a look at the AFL. Well, the two preliminary finals. Um, we we did think that the the demons would just have too much too much legs for an older Cats team. We thought the only danger there, I think, the three of us were looking at, might have been Geelong's forward line. But that was as comprehensive a win as you you would ever see. And and eighty three points. <laughs> Probably they took their foot off. Believe it or not. Um, just an absolutely masterclass by Melbourne, I thought, against the Cats. And they've got to get over the hump now, don't they? They've been to the grand final. Yep. Um, and they've really been disappointing at that final stage. So, you know, let's hope that they can close it out. Well, I, just think I don't really feel that sorry for Geelong, to be honest. They can no, go no, somewhere I, else. Look, one of the oldest teams that's ever been put on the park and mm. they've spent an absolute fortune recruiting players and getting rid of a lot of their younger players as well. And uh. I've copped a bit of flack for saying this, that this had to be the year that they won or they could be in trouble for 10 or so years. Cause you're always going to, you know, people are going to listen to that and go, Oh, you're a Richmond supporter. You hate John. No, the clock's ticking on them. The clock's ticking on them because they have been, knocking on the door for a couple of years and they've gotten older. Everybody else is turning over and, you know, I mean, how old is Jeremy Cameron? No, he, he'd be late 20s. Um, he's still late and, 20s. So he's the guy that they're going to set up around, aren't they, going yeah, forward? Yeah. I mean, he, I, I, I think he's the right age for that, though. Um, but I couldn't believe the other day when I see Tom Hawkins has played like 300 games. It's like, man. He's been really good for them. Um, but, look, they've got no run. We said that last week. We... There's been stories come out that they had a flu in the group and all that. But you know what? Every single team's had stuff like that happen. Melbourne just absolutely pants them. And um, it, it comes down to this as well. I was talking to my old man about this. People are going to consider the last 10 years for Geelong a failure because they haven't won a grand final, right? This is where it comes down to whether it's the NFL or NBA or Premier League and so forth, right? 10 years of being pretty much in the top five or six for 10 years in the AFL when there's equalisation of salary cap and, and soft salary cap and all those things, right? They haven't won a premiership. So as a fan, 10 years of you know really solid success or more than 10 years, but no premierships. Is that, is that a failure? No, because everyone can't win. That's I think right. Chris Scott's done a great job as coach. People are saying they want him out. I don't see it as a failure. If my team is is successful knocking on the door year after year for 10 or 12 years, I want a premiership or two, don't get me wrong. But I don't see my club as a failure. That A failure is your club's down the bottom for 10 or 12 years. Mm. I, I can see from the fans' perspective of 
when something is within reach, you you get tempted to say, why aren't we, uh, well, like, why aren't we picking it up? Yeah, I can definitely understand it from that perspective, but at the same time, it, this is the the pessimistic view that so many fans have, where it's you know. If, if you're not first, you're last. And therefore, if we're not winning and we're not picking up trophies, then we're nobodies and we should be doing better and get rid of someone and bring in someone new so that we can potentially, you know, reach where we should be. Because, yeah. you know, our dizzying heights say that we should be here. I can, <laughs> I can definitely see that argument as well. Guys, Saturday night, we, 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 we did think that Port's forward line all year was their Achilles heel. But your forward line can't be the problem if you don't get the ball. The Western Bulldogs, with arguably the win of any club this year, absolutely pantsed. And this would hurt you, John, because I think you would have done the same to Port. They absolutely pantsed Port Adelaide. Well, John Port, well, I think I said that for a... Port Adelaide. Jeez, what yeah. are you doing pantsing Port Adelaide for, mate? That's a bit mean. Well, well, I think they, that I said that that's what I thought could happen, wasn't it? You did. A couple of weeks ago. I wanted to go back through the, the, the gate at Port Adelaide against them. I fancied that a lot. You did. You did. And, and look, you want to talk about a team that really needs some big changes. Um, I think Port needs some changes there because that forward line, you can't win finals. You cannot win a grand final when you don't have three or four options up forward, and they don't have three or four options up forward. Mm. But what a brilliant effort by the Dogs. Absolutely outstanding. Another game, 71 points, where I was just in raptures with that. I just thought it was one of the great performances after a very controversial win the week before. They've been on the road for so long. That's just a magnificent performance. And the first grand final I can remember ever where I won't be upset if either side win. Are you boys? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah fair. That's, that's totally fair and totally understandable. You know, um, I think Melbourne are obviously going into this as the favourites and, and that will probably suit the Bulldogs pretty happily. I think that they'll they'll be quite chuffed that you know they're they're in for this fight and they're in for the scrap and this has the potential to be a, a really you know a really much of an edge of the seat type of a game. The fact that you know it's it's going to be a late game over in WA, um, it, it's shaping up to be something special. I'm stoked. I'm absolutely stoked that um, the two best teams of the year are in the grand final because they they. They have been the two best teams throughout the course of the season. Um, John, I don't want to rub this in your face because, <laughs> I, no, no, I, I really legitimately have been talk. We live in Queensland. So I got a few people a bit upset this week when I said that the Lions and Port um, and Geelong, the window does shut eventually and you've got to take one of these chances. I think Brisbane can, but what are your thoughts, mate? Is it is it? Well, the window does shut, but I don't, I've said to you, I was quite comfortable this year. I don't think the Lions' window is shut. Um, no, I don't think it's shut. But when where does it get to the point where you go, oh no, are we actually going? to... Well, you're just talking about Geelong being in this at launching pad for ten years. Uh, yeah. 
arguably last year was their strongest tilt at it, I think, for a while. Um, because they made the grand final, they looked pretty good going into it too. But well, they, um, had, grand, they had the grand final on toast, um, yeah. To be honest. I, <laughs> yeah, the window does shut, but like you know, if you look at the history of the AFL ladder since, um, in, in the 2000s, it actually takes a long time to rotate all of the teams out of the top eight. Yeah. You get a yeah, bit of a stint in there where you hang around top four, five, or six. Like the Swans did it literally for years. You know, hang around always being a chance. I think that if you've got the right coach and a smart front office and you, um, you, you know, pick well in the draft and you get a free agent here or there, and I think at the moment the Lions have got a pretty smart front office and, you know, so much so that other clubs are coming and trying to, you know, picking the eyes out of it. I like to, I like to coach. Um, I think we've still got enough of a midfield run. I like the fact that we didn't just roll over and play dead on Lockie Neal. I, th- I don't think you can do that if you want to be a, de- a club, a destination club. You've got to actually play a bit of hardball sometimes with stars on contracts and say, no, you can't just leave just because you know your missus is upset. You're going to stay. Um, and I'm not saying that's what happened, but you know I'm talking that overall vibe. I think the club's got to be strong enough, strong-willed enough to send a message. You just yeah, and I think that our window is still open. I I don't feel like it's anywhere near shut. No, I don't think shut. And I suppose what I'm trying to say is there's a certain point where you you start to think of a kind of jinx and so forth. I don't think your window. Well, we've only been playing shut. semis for three years. Yeah. So you got to take a chance. You got to take a chance at some stage, mate. So well, that's well, true. But like the first year, like no one expected us to be there. Last year, we probably. Um, you know, we're still pretty young on that cycle. A lot of expectation about being at home and things like that. Yeah. This year, I injuries were pretty hard this year, especially at the back end. Um. You know. Um. So who knows? Next year, maybe. And, look, I'll, I'll be back. Think... I'll be backing us to win it. Well, I'm not. Um. I, I hope you know. I'm legitimately not bagging you. I just think that the history of sport, and we've seen it with teams like the Buffalo Bills in the in the NFL and so forth. The chances have to be taken at some stage, mate. So I'm not bad. Well, we've got to make the grand final before we can say that. You know, there's yeah, been other true. teams that have sailed pretty close to the wind and then disappeared. I don't think we've reached out. As Icarus himself did, I don't think we've flown too close to the sun yet to burn our wings off. How's that? Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, you know a team that hasn't, a team that did close, uh, go close, sorry, to winning and never get talked about is Fremantle. Like, we talked about St. Kilda in the 90s and the 2000s. We talk about other teams. But uh, Frio were right there in, and in a grand final that they were very much a chance in. So, anyway, cutting the AFL off for a little bit because the Oracle has spoken. She has said to us in a week's time, <laughs> uh, the demons will destroy the dogs because they are evil. I love it. It's all over. You've got to love a nine-year-old's perspective. Uh, right. The NRL was an absolutely brilliant set of finals except for one game. The storm destroyed the Eagles, and they were never in, they were never really in the game. The Sea Eagles, Roosters beat the Titans, and that was a game that devastated me. I thought the Titans were desperately unlucky and had a couple bad decisions and a couple decisions from the Titans as well. Rabbitohs beat the Panthers, which I wanted to see in a uh, really gutsy effort, holding the Panthers in the second half, attack after attack. And uh, the Eels beat a very gallant night. So it was actually a good round of uh, good round of qualifiers there, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the energy levels for NRL at the moment. Uh, 
Yep, there, there were games that were played. There were winners. There were losers. And uh, yeah, that it was a Roosters Titans. At least that was you know at least that was close. That was that was a really interesting game. That was actually something that you know was quite engaging. Um, watching back the highlights there, that one actually looked like it was really enjoyable uh, for those who uh, got to you know see it live or at least be as close to the, the stadium as possible to be able to hear um, the players kind of cheers at, at full time. So at least there was that. But, yep, now we get ready for uh, week two of the finals. And we, week two uh, of the finals. we got, got the Sea Eagles taking on the Roosters. and uh, the We did say we wanted to get through this week to get to next week already. We said that already, didn't we? We, last we, week? Did, we did last week. Well, the Oracle says that the Sea Eagles will beat the Roosters because the Eagles will come down and beat the smaller bird, but Roosters are pretty big. I don't actually seen any of those. Uh, and she said the Panthers, because her favourite animal is a jaguar and they're both black, will beat the Eels. So that's pretty much our expertise on rugby league this week, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, it should be a good week. I'm look- I-, I-, I like it when you get down to just four teams in, in a semi-final. So um, I was... You know, I said back at State of Origin time, I wondered just how much all that was going to take out of the out of the Panthers, and you know, look out, they're going to—I don't know—they're they're going to be shaken a bit, I reckon. And you know what? I just don't believe in their coach. Right, and they're also taking on a team that they've beaten pretty easy in the last uh, year or so, right? And and so the Eels will be saying, "Well, no one thinks we're going to win. It's, it's hey, we've got a free shot here," and I think that's a. I don't think you can underestimate the free shot factor in a game like rugby league. Yeah. All right. I've got something. Can I, can I do a little bit of something here with both of you guys? I'm going to give you both a different bracket. Okay. Okay. Now we all know our jerseys and I presume you're going to know these pretty much straight off. Now you're going to have to rank. um, uh, He's got to do a keep cuddle or or kick in each one. Oh, okay. Okay. And then we'll get into a final. Okay. So, (laughs) um, the first one, I'm going to give Pete Brazilian football jerseys. Oh, I love Brazilian football jerseys. Some of the best around. Okay. So your keep, cuddle, or kick, Pete, in Flamengo. These are all home jerseys, not the other ones. The Fluminense one and Palmeiras. Oh. Good luck, Pete. Jeez. Um, geez. Uh, the Palmeiras jersey is actually, oh, it is a stunner. Um, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of that checkerboard green that is on their kits at the moment. It is really, really pretty. Um, the Flamingos uh, horizontal um, stripes, you, you know what you're going to get. Adidas have done a really good job with their kit this year. Um, the other kit you said was... Fluminense. Oh, Fluminense. Oh. All right. Uh, Fluminense will give that one a cuddle. Palmeiras, I'll keep that one because I really do like that deep green. It is a stunner. And then I'll get rid of the Flamengo uh, for the sole reason that it is red and black. And obviously, being a Sydney FC fan for a number of years, red and black are the colours which I'm meant to hate and are ingrained in me to despise. <laughs> Well, that's fair enough. I tell you what, like, um, but wasn't that one of the best pieces of kits when the um, when the German team used the flamingo as their chain strip at the World Cup, oh, and they sold out in no time. Okay, um, now for you, Paul, you've got uh, Argentina. I knew you were going to so, do that. 
I, I right. knew you were going to do it, so I'm actually on an Argentina football jersey store now. Oh, well, look, I, I made it a bit easy for you. There's there's two football jerseys and, a, and another one. So, yep. you got Boca Juniors, which is the Boca. classic uh, blue and yellow. That's the winner. I'm going to... River gonna Plate, it. which is the red sash. And yep. A great jersey. And, 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 the, and the clash of those two is just a, a... That is a game that I always would have wanted to go to. Yes. And final, yep. to make round out the top three, is I think one of the best jerseys in world sport is the... I'm going to make like Pete here the Pumas rugby jumper. Oh, oh the Pumas! Oh yes. Um, okay, I'm definitely keeping the. Um, I've already said who I'm keeping, haven't I? Boca. Yeah. I just think I think the Boca jerseys for 30 or 40 years have been outstanding, and they've come out with so many great designs. So I'm keeping Boca. Um, I'm going to cuddle. I hate the, the fact I'm going to do this, but I'm going to cut all the River Plate jersey because there's none like it really in world football. But, well, it's Peru. Uh, it's exactly Peru the same. Peru national team. Well, yep. yeah. I mean, it's exactly Melbourne Hearts. Mel- Melbourne Hearts away jersey. In, in, okay. In terms um, of... It's okay. the inverse of Southampton's. <laughs> Crystal yeah, Palace have had a few times, haven't they? <laughs> haven't Crystal Palace had a few times? Hey, hey, hey. I'm going to go back to the, stri- the, the stripe like Richmond stripe, the diagonal river plate top that they had for many, many years. If I can do that, I love that diagonal red across. So not the red and white stripes like Southampton and all that. Do you know the jersey I'm talking about? From no, about I only think, think of them in the sash. I only think of them in the sash. That's what I'm saying. So to me, I don't the know. The Daniel Passarella sash. So do, do heaps of other clubs have that kind of Richmond Essendon uh, diagonal? Do they? Well, we just named about four. They don't. Southampton's yeah. is up and down. Come on. No, they've had it. And no, no, but like the one I was saying, Crystal yeah. Palace had it a few times. Uh, no, I, I, I do. I do like the River Plate. Um, that, to me, that's a more traditional top from about 80, 85, 86 onwards. And I, I, just because I'm sticking with football as opposed to rugby, I'll get rid of the Pumas top. Okay. Well, that's a shame because that Pumas top is just a beautiful oh, it's thing fantastic. to behold. My, my rationale uh, was I was just keeping it football. Sorry, for the right, sake of then, context, uh, Southampton did have it back in 2020 as a template <laughs> kit with Under Armour. Crystal Palace did it in 2018. Yes, LA Galaxy has done the their, sash. It's um, not their go-to. It. It's not the go-to. But and it's John definitely... also said to us... John also and Monaco has had the sash. Monaco yeah. has oh, Monaco, yeah. Monaco's. I like Monaco's as well. I can barely remember watching a game where someone wasn't wearing a jersey with a red sash across it. Newcastle oh, Jets it did it with their Viva kit. And I think it was 2019. <sighs> I'll just rewind the tape, boys. I'll rewind the tape. The statement was... It just never stopped. Their home. All right. All right. Okay, we've got to get into a final here. And I don't know how we're going to decide, but there's three of us, okay? So we'll have a vote. So the number one... Now obviously, I know there's going to be someone who's like said, oh, what about Estudiantes or what about... Yep. You know, you know, the teams in Newell's old boys or the Montevideo Saint, side. But... Saint Martin, they took a man, yeah. Yeah, or, or um, was it um, who was the drug owned team um, in Colombia? Oh yes, America yeah, that Day Cali. That really narrows <laughs> it down. America Day Cali. All right. Um, so the um, the number one football jersey in South America, Clash of Titans, Boca Juniors against um, Palmeiras. Oh, Jesus. Right. Um, we're going to give Pete the final vote. Um, so I'm going to say, for me, it's Boca Juniors. 
Yeah, I'm Bocker as well. So absolutely, it's Bocker. It's Bocker across the board for all all of us here. Um, yeah, it, it is an absolute beauty uh, of a jersey that you know is memorable no matter where you are around the world. You see the gold stripe across the chest. Uh, you see the the blue bold blue body. It, it is so iconic and. Yep. There have been a number of kit providers who have tried to, you know, shake things up a little bit. You've seen Nike tried to put the little gold flares on at times. Adidas tried to make it slightly off-centered and whatnot. But you you can't go away from the absolute classic, that that gold bar across the blue chest. Like, that is perfect. Next one up there, John. I think you got another one for us. Oh, I did. And it was along the same lines, but it's different. I don't want to do that because... You know, I need to find joy in football again. And sometimes it's a yeah. bit hard through the gloom and doom of what I'm watching. Well, I'll tell but, you what, um, what you could do check out is the fact that um, at the moment we have the FFA Cup, which is restarting. Um, so those games are readily available on Channel 10. So obviously FFA Cup is a great opportunity to be able to see your smaller clubs take on the big boys and uh, progress through the competition. And you guys also get to look forward to me coming up to visit in uh, January next year for the Futsal National Youth Championships, oh, uh, which will be held mate. up in awesome. Gold Coast. Oh, Fantastic. Mate, we'll, be there. we'll be there. We'll come along, mate. We won't even do a... Uh record a bit of podcasting there. We'll Go Palm Beach in the, the FFA place. Cup. And uh, oh, yeah, the other one is, it's, it's a keep, oh. cuddle and, and kick. Just before you, you do, because yep. I love you boys so much, I actually am missing out as a member of the Raw on the FFA Cup tonight um, because I forgot that it was on. Who are you playing? <laughs> scheduled. We are playing uh, Peninsula Power in the clash, the, power, of the, the clash of the Redcliffe Peninsula down there now. <laughs> At least they don't have far to travel, the Redcliffe team. Um, is, um, okay, so Keith Cuddle, this will be quick. Um, they're all connected by names. Daryl Braithwaite, Carlos Brathwaite, or Carlos Tevers. I hate the horses song. Um, so Daryl Braithwaite can go and get kicked in the head by a horse. So I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick him. I'm going to get a horse to kick him. Um, uh, Tevez, I don't really want to cuddle him because he could bite me. Um, so I don't know. Oh, I don't want to keep him either. Can I kick him both? No, he's lovable. What are you on about? He's a lovable character. He's a Boca Juniors legend, mate. You just yeah, said how okay. much you love their jersey. I'll cuddle him then. And who's the other one, sorry? Carlos Braffaite, the West oh, Indian no. dude who took Ben Stokes for six sixes to win that um, T20 final a few years ago. Um, no, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll... I don't. He doesn't need a cuddle. He'd uh, he'd he'd have plenty of women. So I'll keep him just for the fact that he did that to England. It's a big unit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm out of ideas. I, I that was it. But um, Pete, I presume you'd be keeping Daryl Braithwaite, wouldn't you, mate? Oh, that's the way it's going to be, little darling. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. It's not that I hate the song. I just think it's played too much and. Um, it might as well be up there with the uh, Southern Cross. You know, play the horses while people parade the Southern Cross around the, uh, which I love as a flag, but it's been unionised, as we know. So there we go. Got a bit political there, didn't we? Um, NFL, we've really put the moz on uh, on Pete after his team lost in their first game of the year. Pete, what have you done? Uh, Louis, it's only first game, no stress. Uh, it's a long season ahead. Uh, yeah, just... Uh... <laughs> 
Can you pull out <laughs> any more cliches? Come on, give us a few more cliches. Oh, look, credit to the boys. They put in a good effort. Um, you know, it just it wasn't their day. Um, you know, the opposition put in a good battle and, uh, you know, some calls oh, didn't go their the way. Um, it's all about the so, process. Yeah, it's all about the process. Yeah, all about the process, yeah. So we had the um, had the Buccaneers just get over the top of the Cowboys in an actual brilliant um, first game of the year. Dak Prescott, who I said wouldn't be up to it, um, had a fabulous start to his season, but they still lost. So the Bucs got up. Uh, Texans thumped the Jags, which we all predicted there. Um, Chargers beat our Washington football team, a team that we've, um, we've said will improve. Seahawks were very, very impressive against the, I think, overrated Colts. Um, Jets played a really good game, I think. Um, but Sam Darnold plays for the Panthers now, doesn't he? He does, and he must have enjoyed that. And, and, and the commentators tried to talk it down like he wouldn't have enjoyed it. But, Pete, for your um, benefit there, Sam Darnold was a uh, first-round draft pick for the Jets. Um, didn't get protected at all. as a lot of young quarterbacks in, in weak teams and, and copped an absolute pasting from the New York press, which is pretty standard. And um, he's gone off to the Panthers. who have got one of the greatest all-round plays you'll ever see, Christian McCaffrey. And um, he would have loved that win, wouldn't he, John? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he can give it off to a really great running back. That's got to feel good. I think he ran it like 30 times. So he, um, he wasn't able to give it off at all in his previous setup. No. I haven't seen too many plays like uh, Christian McCaffrey ever. Um, you know, I haven't. But that's his fifth game of his career where he's gone 80 rushing yards and 80 receiving yards. Um, he's not a very big player, Pete, just so you know. He's just an excellent footballer. Um He's got some pace, he's got good hands, and he just seems to find the gaps. He's he's probably almost my favourite player in the comp, John. Really? His dad was a legend, played for the Broncos, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ed. Um, no, he's not my favourite, but he's a good player. Um, you know, the Panthers don't really move my dial at all. No, they don't move mine either, but I just haven't seen too many players of that kind of stature do what he's done, and he's not a one-season wonder either. Uh, the Bengals got their... Um, Got the winning overtime over the Vikings, which would have made you happy, mate. That was beautiful. I, you know, I hate the Vikings so much, but the, I was really pleased for the Bengals because they've bad news follows them around. They went out to a, a decent lead. They look like they've blown it. They got Joe Burrow back. I thought Joe looked good in that um, in that overtime, and it was the first game ever in the NFL to finish on a tie as time expired in yes. regular time. Yep. And to finish with a winning, I don't know how to say it, with a winning play as time expired in overtime. It, it was unbelievable. I mean, I know that it's, some people will listen back at that and go, huh, I've seen games where it's gone into overtime. But it, you're right, it's, it expired uh, in both cases. Um, and for the Vikings, can I just oh, say, and we always talk about this, how some dudes just get a free ride from the press and some get pilloried no matter what they do how Mike Zimmer isn't under the pump at the Vikings I do not know well you said he'd be the first coach to be sacked last week well it's coming it might be the case um Cardinals with a massive win over the very very disappointing Titans uh, 38 to 13 that was an absolute shellacking and I did not see that coming uh considered five sacks to one player in that game and and um Kyler Murray was doing some, you know, running around like he looks like the little 
You know Colin Murray when he's got his helmet on, he's so small, his helmet's so big. He looks like, remember when um, Rick Moranis was in Spaceballs? Oh, yeah, Spaceballs. And, and he had the big helmet on being Darth Vader? <laughs> yes. He looks like that, except he's really fast. And, yeah, and that's about my only really takeaway from that game. Cardinals uh-huh. look strong, and the whole of the yeah. NFC West looks strong. Does too. Um, Steelers uh, took on the Bills, and it was a game of missed opportunities almost for both teams. Um, some interceptions, some sacks, and your Bills weren't that far away from from taking that game, Pete. And that was actually a very, very good game. I'll take your word for it because, to be blunt, I haven't actually had the opportunity to be able to watch the highlights yet. Um, all I saw was kind of uh, the score line there. Look, based on the the simple report that I've seen so far, really, there, there were couple of decent opportunities um, for the Bills, but they just weren't able to kind of, you know, find some control over the game. It it seemed like uh, the Steelers were kind of a bit more consistent when they did have the ball and they were able to make smarter plays. Um, Defensively, they were a little bit stronger as well. So it it just seemed like, although the scoreline suggests that the game might have been a little bit closer than what it was, that the Steelers just had better control over the, the full duration, really. Mate, it was honestly one of those games where I don't, it almost looked like I, either neither team wanted to actually win it. Um, they were both in positions where they could have, and yeah, that was just my take. It, it honestly looked like neither team wanted to win. Did you get to see any of that one, John? Oh, I was watching on Game Pass. Yeah. So, you know, want. obviously, um, it's a triumph. Look, the, the, one of the things you forget about Argent, uh, Argentina, Mike, what I'm talking about, <laughs> about um, the Steelers, about the Steelers is that uh, they got a great coach in charge and yeah. he had them ready to play. And, you know, I still think things are on the up and up in, in Orchard Park for the Bills. Uh, they've got everything in place. You're going to not win every game. I'd rather lose one now. That Week one in the NFL always has some big surprises and, yeah, and and week two, generally those teams will start to get it right. The Steelers have got some quality players. I don't think they're going to win the AFC North close to it, but you know they're strong enough to go in and muscle up against the Bills. Uh, that's a good lesson for the Bills. The 49ers um, beat the Lions in a really high-scoring game, forty-one to thirty-three, and and this is what surprised me. That was the most points they've ever scored. Um, as a road team in their team's history. And if you look back through the history of the 49ers, um, they've had some great teams. <laughs> I will say this about that, is that that comeback, side kick and all that hype and that, was wasted completely by it being the Lions. Because you knew they weren't going to win. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, man. Uh, sorry, I just had a phone call come through. Sorry about that. Uh, that'll probably stay in the podcast there, guys. It was a sales call. Um so 41 points to 33. Um, any other games that stood out there? I thought the Eagles. The Eagles, 32 to 6 was a bit of a surprise for me there. They they had a very resounding win. Obviously, watch. the Packers had an absolute shocker. I didn't want to go on about that. but uh, Well, my, my, my big weekend, I feel like the big Lebowski was in town. Um, and Aaron Rodgers looks like he's been on holiday for six months. And as I said to you, Paul, in my text message, uh, Aaron Rodgers took a dump on the Packers offseason and the regular season just took a dump on Aaron Rodgers. It was. And yeah, he was horrendous. It was the biggest shock and he was. He was I think you've summed it up really well there. 
Saints just bossed the Packers from the start, and thirty-eight to three is. I, I can't see anyone who saw that coming. But that is not a. That's not a Saints team that's going to the playoffs either. They've had some good ones. That team's just too thin. They, they just, you know, and we got rid of our defensive coordinator at the end of last year, and um, there's all kinds of question marks around that. But there's a long way to go. The new guy has to show something better than what he showed the other guys because the defense was atrocious as well. Well, I thought Jameis Winston, five touchdowns. I mean, I know that your defense wasn't good, but that's still, you've got to be, he's got to be bloody happy about that. The well, I said to you, he's, he's a problem. And he is a problem. He's got a great coach and, and he's going to do well. I can't believe that other teams didn't take a chance on James because he cost nothing last year. No, no, nor can I. And I actually thought we would have been one of the teams going for him. The Browns and the Chiefs, what an absolute ripper of a game. This this could have gone either way. Um, they, they had their chances. They led by 12 points a couple times, the Browns. And the Chiefs do what they do with Mahomes and came back and won 33-29. There's enough there to let you know that the Browns are going to be okay and the Chiefs are going to be strong. So it was a great game. That could be the uh, that could that could be the end of that could be an end of season kind of final game there, you know. So um, in the AFC, I thought that was just a sensational game. Broncos beat the Giants. Giants tried hard like they have the last few years, but Broncos got up um, in a game um, that should have been won by the Patriots. My Dolphins got up seventeen sixteen, and um, yeah, I was um, I was pretty happy because Waddle. He's only the second player in our history. Scored 60, sorry, got 60 yards and a touchdown in his first game. And and literally, just so you know, Pete, in this game, the Pats had the chance to win it. They were marching down the field. They were already within striking distance to get the field goal and go ahead. And they went for that extra play and they fumbled the ball. And uh, my fins get up. And, and I'm telling you now, we said it last week. We had a great record against the Pats in the last few years. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry for your Bills and and the Jets, but the Dolphins are on top for one week in our division. I'm going to take it. Hey, I'm Enjoy just going to mention it's there, mate. Enjoy it while it's there. <laughs> just want to mention one more thing. A game that you didn't bring up was the um was the Rams game at SoFi Stadium, and I got to tell you that I mean, there's a lot of talk about Matthew Stafford already. And he's the second coming and this, that, and the other. <laughs> I watch Matthew Stafford all the time in our in our division. And I just I need to see him win all the time before I'm gonna go, oh my god, he's a great player. But I will say this the Rams uniforms and that new field looked awesome. Yep. Mate, that Pete, do yourself a favor and check out just you can get a nine-minute package of the highlights of the of the Rams' first game in their new ground. Now that's the that's the team that Stan Kroenke owns, who owns Arsenal. It doesn't spend anything yes. there, but boy, no. he's spending some money at at the Rams, and that field just looked so good. And the and jerseys, the man, the jerseys the look so good. And the Rams themselves matched the stadium and the uh, and the jersey because I thought they were really good against the Bears. Um, yeah, and this morning. Oh, to this afternoon because it goes. Well, I haven't seen the game yet. I'm waiting to watch it when we cool. finish. Okay, if you're going to watch it and you don't know the result, I'm going to let it go. I don't. Okay, I'm not going to say we're not those kind of people. So watch that game, and I'll leave it at that. 
Right. Sorry, man. Boys, boys um, we've covered a fair bit of sport there. Um, barely covered the fact that I think there was 37 years combined for the women's uh, US Open. And uh, we just got silence there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to continue there. Um, yeah, there you go. So I didn't actually know that fact myself. Just, well, they talk about changing the guard, but it's one thing that I think women's tennis does so much better than men's. The young, the young people coming through are just ready to rock and roll and they're ready to challenge the established stars. And it's so good to see the young players um, really competing well and, and winning Grand Slams. So, um, how did you, uh, how did your girls go, John? In the, uh, didn't, I was remiss of me to ask, how did the girls go? Oh, we had the, we took we took six teams to that tournament at the, on Friday, and um, we had two teams that 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 won on the day, won the title, and we had two teams that were runners up, and a team that was third and fourth. So, wow, that was a pretty good day. So, pretty good yeah. day. That's an yeah. amazing day, mate. Like honestly, that's fantastic. Uh, Pete, how's your uh, how's the girls going with uh, soccer, with football training, with everything, with COVID and so forth? How's that all going? Oh, look, it's the end of the season, so we're basically just getting ourselves organised for next season yeah. um, and getting ready, you know. Um, yeah, we've gone through our playlist in terms of our senior squad at Rams and getting ourselves organised uh, at the same time. Uh, we're getting quite close to a futsal season if all things go well, so we might actually have a, a few games of futsal across November and December in the lead-up to uh, our nationals competition. So... Um, yeah, at the moment, my my mindset and what I'm currently trying to impose upon a lot of the players is, if we do get out of lockdown in um, you know next month or early November, then you know what we we've gone this far. Um, so what's an extra couple of weeks? So just get your head down and uh, and enjoy the fact that it won't be too much longer until we're back all together and able to uh, do some training together. One from left field for both of you. Should the A-League teams or clubs have a futsal team in the national competition as well? Yes. I just can't believe they don't. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's mostly because there aren't enough internationally or there, there isn't enough of a standard approach to futsal across Australia as a whole at the moment that is uh, very quickly changing. And I feel that 2022 will will help boost futsal uh, yeah, across the nation. So um, I, I feel that there, there definitely will be a shift after the Women's World Cup in 2023. Yeah. That's when we'll start to see futsal take more of a, a prominent approach. We'll start to hopefully see the, the relaunch of our futsal roos and the futsal tilders. Um, and we'll also start to see kind of a, a progression towards um, teams looking to qualify for the Youth Olympics. So th- this is definitely part of playing the long game. This isn't going to be an instant success. Um, so futsal is definitely part of the landscape. It just might be a little bit. Okay, we've, we've been on the pod for almost an hour, so I'm going to finish off with some questions for you. This first one's for you, John, and I know that you have answered it previously. Third and 10 on the goal line. You're six points behind. There's two seconds to go. Who do you go to? Tom Brady. So you don't go to a running back or anything like that. You just go give it to Tom and go, Tom, you do what you do. 
I put it in the best player of all time's hands. I can't, can't answer it better than that. Pete, on notice, keep it a save a penalty. So there's a penalty. Game's over. Uh, Donnarumma. Much. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is an absolute brick wall. And he has – he's got this fantastic ability to control – uh, control himself in no matter what situation he's in. It, it's almost like, um, you know, that Navy, sea appro- uh, Navy SEAL approach of, you know, you don't rise to an occasion, you sink to whatever level you train at. And, and yep. Donnarumma kind of like emulates that. He, he controls so many situations because it seems like he's faced everything before. He's such a young guy. Um, he is incredibly reliable. Now, the complete left field name would probably be Tim Krull. The fact that Ooh, okay. he uh, he basically got subbed on um, at different times to come into games as a goalkeeper to try and save a penalty shootout. So he is um, he's probably the left field suggestion. I like it. I like it. Um, the final one for the podcast: balls coming into this is an AFL one. Balls coming into the forward line. There's a long high kick, one on one. Who do you want as a defender? Uh, on our Group, um, my old man said he'd like Dylan Grimes to be the defender. I've got a feeling you might go Harris Andrews, John. No, um, I'd toss up between the late and great Danny Frawley at St Kilda. Yep, and um, some people don't know, most fans do, but Arthur Lynch was one of the great fullbacks. Yep, and I saw Lynchy was one of the few guys who could go toe-to-toe, head-to-head, and on the ground, rolling around, fighting, scratching with Plugger, and also could go with, um, what's his name? Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Dunstall. Yep. I'm going to go with um, Alistair Lynch. Oh, I like it. I think all the answers are good there, boys. It's been another fantastic pod. Do you guys want to finish off with anything else there at all? I'll give a quick shout-out towards the Futsal World Cup, which is going on at the moment. And if you haven't already seen, um, it's kicked off in true fashion. Brazil getting the better of Vietnam earlier on uh, today in a 9-1 win. Solomon Islands, they went down to Morocco 6-0. Make sure you check out the Solomon Islands post-game interview where uh, the players were in tears of joy celebrating the fact that they were there. there. And the fact that... Um, you know, every school on the Solomon Islands actually closed today so that all the players, all, all the kids at home could go watch on TV this game against Morocco. So that, that was an absolute magical moment. Um, and the fact that, you know, we've got some great little surprise packages. Kazakhstan is probably your dark horse in this competition. Guatemala got uh, the better of Uzbekistan. Make sure you check out Guatemala's yep. third goal. Um, it was... Brilliant, brilliant. Now, I've, I've heard something about Guatemala there. They're being tested. They are being tested for caffeine, for excess caffeine. Uh, yeah, they've oh. definitely got enough in their own backyards. <laughs> That's still a thing. Oh, God. I don't, I don't know. Anything from you there, John? Oh, I want to send a quick shout-out to um, Bliss and Claire, brother and sister at from our, from our uh, rugby program at school, who were both the Indigenous flag bearers at the um, rugby tests the other night and um, held both of those flags during the national anthems. And um, good on them. Um, 
Bliss in, in particular is a terrific rugby player, and Claire is um is an emerging young player, and they're both proud Indigenous um representatives, and good on them. That was awesome. Oh, well done, guys. Good shout-outs. I'm going to shout-out to our Oracle tonight, who came on very nervous, um, had to listen to a little bit of podcast beforehand. I think she did well for her first ever time on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and a shout-out to my old man who listens to every one of our podcasts. Uh, so shout-out to Gary as well. Guys, this has been the Love Sport Podcast. Be safe. Enjoy your sporting week. Guys, that was good. Awesome. Actually, really good one. I know we we're on there for ages. Um, have a lovely night. I should get this out at some stage tomorrow. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. Hopefully, uh, you got a few things out of it. You can disagree with most things we say. You can get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski on Twitter. We will attempt to answer your questions. Maybe we won't say what you want to hear, but, you know, that's sport. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.